Davidson. I'd like you to join me and the ministers of music from here, Water of Life Church in Plano, Texas, as we minister the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus, which is the power of God. I'd like to begin with prayer. My heavenly Father, my heavenly Father, let the power of my Lord be great. Father, let the power of my Lord be great and grant us repentance. Open our eyes that we can see. Open our ears that we can hear. Open our hearts like you did for Lydia, that we can attend unto the things which are spoken. Turn us from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God. And I ask this in your son's name, Jesus. I would like to bring to your attention today, I'd like to talk to you about Jehovah today. We're going to look at an aspect of Jehovah that you may not realize. You know, I'd like you, like I've said before, I want you to put away all your tradition, everything that you grew up with, everything that you heard in Sunday school, everything that you've read, every movie that you've watched, every movie that you've watched, even the big ones. I want you to put it all away, and we're only going to look at the Word of God. If you call yourself a Christian, we have only one thing in common. We have the Word of God, and in the Word of God is Jesus. But we are going to look at Jehovah today in a way that you may have never heard because we are afraid to look at it. But we are going to look at it today, and I want, you to, I want to tell you now, don't turn me off and don't put me away. Listen to the words that I speak because they will save you. I want you to go with me to Exodus 34. We have learned ever since we were little from tradition what God was like. But did you know in the Word of God, God tells you himself exactly what he's like. That's the wonderful thing about the Word of God. God does not leave anything in a shadow. He does not leave anything unturned. He tells you the truth. And right here, we are going to read how Jehovah describes himself, his personality. All right. Uh, is it Exodus 34, verse 1? Excuse me. And the Lord said to Moses, Hew me two tables of stone like unto the first, and I will write upon these stones the words that were in the first table which thou breakest. And be ready in the morning, and come up in the morning unto Mount Sinai, and present thyself there to me in the top of the mount. This is Jehovah speaking, God speaking. And no man shall come up with thee, neither let any man be seen throughout all the mount, neither let any of the flocks or herds feed before the mount. Nobody's allowed to be around. It's going to be just you and me. And he hewed two tables of stone like unto the first. And Moses rose up early in the morning and went up into Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him and took in his hands the two tables of stone. And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord, that word is Jehovah, passed by before him and proclaimed. This is God describing himself to all of us. The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, 
and that by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children under the third and fourth generation. And when he said that, the next verse, Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worship. Moses got on his face. I want us to look at the words that God said. He said, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. And then there's a change. And that will by no means clear the guilty. By no means clear the guilty. This is God himself speaking. And he said, and visiting the iniquity of the fathers, the sin of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children under the third and fourth generation. I want to say something now by the Spirit of God. If you say now that your sin that you are in and that you're committing won't hurt anybody, then you had better not have any children. Do you hear me? If you say the sin that you are committing right now isn't hurting anybody, you better not have any children because right here it says it will. Amen. It will. Now, now let's go on. There, does that, that's almost confusing. First, on one hand, he's merciful, gracious. On the other hand, he said he will, not vi he will visit the iniquity on the children and the children's children under the third generation. Do you know that's God describing himself? That is God describing himself. Turn with me to the book of Jude. I'm going to go to verse 5. Jude is describing God. He said, I will therefore put you in remembrance. That though once you knew this, and you may have forgotten it, how that the Lord, Jehovah, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, Moses, I mean, God had a promise to Abraham. He told Abraham, I'm going to, in 400 years, I'm going to take your children. I'm going to bring them out of Egypt. They're going to be in bondage. I'm going to bring them out, and I'm going to put them in a land that I promised you. And you know what he did? And what happened? having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterwards destroyed them. Destroyed them. Amen. Can you read? He said, after saving the people out of the land of Egypt, afterwards destroyed them. Why? Because they wouldn't believe. They wouldn't believe. God destroyed a people. He destroyed a people visiting the iniquity on the children and the children's children under the third and fourth generation. You know, he not only destroyed them. I want you to turn to Ezekiel, Ezekiel 5 with me. I want you to, to see what the God we serve is capable of doing. You know, we make fun of God and we call him uh, the, the, the man upstairs or, or, the, or, the, uh, or looking up and, and saying, you know, don't, don't, don't beat me, God. We have no respect, no fear of God. No fear of God. He brought those people out of Egypt for a promise he made to Abraham and they wouldn't believe and he destroyed them. Folks, we need some fear of God. I want you to look at Ezekiel 5, and I want to show you how God destroyed him. 
It was not a little deal here. This is Jehovah. This is the God we serve. Beginning in verse 5. Thus saith the Lord God. This is Jerusalem. I have set it in the midst of the nations and countries that are round about her. She has changed my judgments and the wickedness more than the nations. And my statutes more than the countries that are round about her. For they refused my judgments and my statutes. They have not walked in them. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God. Because you multiplied more than the nations that are round about you, and you have not walked in my statutes, neither have you kept my judgments, neither have you done according to the judgments of the nations that are round about you. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I, even I, am against thee, and I will execute judgments in the midst of thee in the sight of the nations, and I will do unto thee which I have not done, and therefore I will not do any more the like because of all thine abominations. These people were in deep sin. And look what God did. Therefore the fathers shall eat the sons in the midst of thee. And the sons shall eat their fathers. And I will execute judgment in thee. And the whole remnant of thee will I scatter into all the winds. Wherefore as I live saith the Lord God. Surely because thou hast defiled my sanctuary. With all thy detestable things and with all thy abominations, therefore will I also diminish thee. Neither shall mine eyes fare, neither have any pity. A third part of thee shall die with the pestilence, and with famine shall they be consumed in the midst of thee. And a third part shall fall by the sword round about thee, and I will scatter a third part into all the winds, and I will draw out a sword after him. And thus shall my anger be accomplished. And I will cause my fury to rest upon them. And then I will be comforted. And they shall know that I am the Lord that has spoken in my zeal. When I have accomplished my fury in them. Get out your history books, folks. That happened. That happened. This is the God we serve. This is what the Father in heaven is capable of if we do not believe. If we do not believe, turn with me to John 3. The last verse in John 3. John 3 has John 3.16. Love it. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Now, look at the last verse in chapter 3. He that believeth on the son has everlasting life. And he that believeth not the son shall not see life. For the wrath of God abideth on him. Folks, there is a wrath coming. You can say anything you want, but the word of God says there is a wrath coming. A wrath. Turn with me to Revelation 6. I'm going to begin in verse 12. And I beheld when he had opened up the sixth seal. And lo, there was a great earthquake. And the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. And the stars of heaven fell into the earth, even as a fig tree cast out her untimely figs, when she is shaken of a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll, as when it's rolled together, and every mountain and island removed out of their places. And the kings of the earth, and the great men, the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondwoman, every bondman and every free man hid themselves 
in the dens and the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and the rocks, Follow us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Do you hear that? Do you see what's coming? The wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of his wrath is come. And who shall be able to stand? Who said this? The kings, the mighty men, the rich men, the chief men all said that we don't want to see. Nobody's going to stand the wrath of the Lamb. The wrath of the Lamb? Yes, Jesus that loves you, the wrath of the Lamb. The wrath of the Lamb. Why? Because we don't believe. Because you won't believe. Now, what about this God in Ezekiel that said merciful, gracious, long-suffering on one side and then the other side? He said that I will visit the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children from the third and fourth generation. What does this God do? What does he do? He does something extremely wonderful. He does something extremely wonderful. He has wrath. But he loves you. So what does he do? He takes his wrath and he takes it out on his son in your place. He takes his wrath and he takes it out on his son for you. So he doesn't have to take his wrath out on you. Now that's merciful and that's gracious. And that's long-suffering. Turn with me to Romans 5, verse 9. Much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from that wrath through Jesus. Through Jesus. Remember, if we receive Jesus, we receive life. If we don't receive Jesus, we receive the wrath of God is on us. Why? How is that possible? Turn with me to Isaiah 53. I'm going to begin in verse 5. Jesus. This is Jesus on the cross. He has already suffered the scourging. He has already suffered being uh, his hair and his beard being plucked out, being beaten with rods. Now he's on the cross. Why? Why is all this happening? Because God's taking his wrath out on Jesus. Why was Jesus scourged? God was taking his wrath out on Jesus so he wouldn't have to take it out on you. God scourged, had Jesus scourged by the Romans so he wouldn't have to do it to you. Don't you call that love? Now, verse, verse 4, Surely he has borne our griefs, our sicknesses, and carried our pains. Yet we did esteem him smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The wrath of God was taken out on the body of Jesus. So he wouldn't have to take it out on you. He gave us a way to escape his wrath for all the unbelievers. And all we have to do is believe. Verse 5, he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement, the punishment, the wrath of our peace was upon Jesus. And with his stripes, with the stroke of that scourge, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. 
We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before her shears is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. He was killed. He died. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. God, by his determinate counsel, his foreknowledge, had the wrath of God taken out on Jesus so that he wouldn't have to take it out on you and I. That is a God that is merciful, gracious, and long-suffering. He is going to put Jesus in our place and take it out on Jesus. And turn with me to Psalm 88, verse 7. This is Jesus in hell. And look what Jesus says when he's in hell. Verse 7, thy wrath, he's talking to God in this, thy wrath lieth hard on me, and thou hast afflicted me with all thy waves. And it says in verse 16, thy fierce wrath goeth over me. Thy fierce wrath goeth over me. The Father's wrath was on Jesus so it wouldn't have to be on us. So it wouldn't have to be on us. That is a God that is merciful. That is a God that's gracious. That is a God that's long-suffering. The sin has to be paid for. So he had Jesus pay for it for you. And you can miss the wrath of God Back to Romans 5. It says, much more than being justified by his blood, the blood that Jesus shed for us on the cross. He said, we shall be saved. Set it safety from that wrath through Jesus. And how do we do that? We must be born again. That's what Jesus said in John 3. You must be born again. You must Get the spirit of Jesus in you. You must walk in that gospel. You must believe it. Jude said he, got the, um, he brought the Jewish people out because of Abraham, but he destroyed them because they wouldn't believe. Well, we have to believe. We have to believe. And the way to believe is you must be born again. Now, how are you born again? Romans 10 says that when we confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father, when we confess, Jesus, you died for me, you were buried for me, you were raised for me, you are Lord over me. And when we believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, why did he raise Jesus from the dead? Because when Jesus took our wrath, The father saw the travail of Jesus in that wrath, and he was satisfied. He was satisfied with what Jesus did for us. And when he was satisfied, he raised Jesus from the dead. He raised Jesus from the dead. He said, I am satisfied. In Ezekiel, he was comforted because of his wrath. Now, because of the wrath on Jesus, he's satisfied concerning you and I. And when we believe that, 
when we trust in it, when we look at it, when we make it our own, then we are born again. And when that wrath hits, we will miss it. We will miss it. And we will be with the Father in glory. Thank you for joining Kathy Davidson and the Ministers of Music from Water of Life Church. She would love to hear from you. You may reach her by email at kd at kdwol.com. Or you may write her at Kathy Davidson, Care of Water of Life Church, Post Office Box 861-327, Plano, Texas 75086. You may find her on the internet at www.kdwol.com and on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, God bless.